So for me, it's it's pretty much the opposite of most guys. I'm looking for the straightest driver possible. As long as it goes as far as my previous one or generally in the same ballpark, I'm just looking for dispersion. This is the Fitting Room Podcast. Here's your host, Nate Adelman. Hello, hello. It is another episode of the Fitting Room Podcast. I'm Nate Adelman alongside... Uh, my partner in crime these days from the uh, quarantine fitting room, and that is none other than Yodi Nevs, Dave Neville. Dave, how's it going? Good to be with you, Nate. How you doing in quarantine, my friend? I'm doing great. Actually, a funny short story for you. Um, yesterday, I was out uh, in the garage doing some work, and a gentleman was walking by carrying golf clubs, um, who's one of my neighbors who knew I uh, worked for Callaway. And he had a spec question. So I made him stay on the sidewalk, but I took some of his clubs, brought them into Adelman Clubworks, gave him a spec check, handed him back. Then, of course, went and washed my hands. Uh, but uh, the, just because golf courses in California are not open does not mean that golfers do not still want to talk about fitting and tinkering and talk about their equipment. I love that you're doing quarantine spec checks. That's amazing. That's awesome. So yeah, the swing weights for uh, for my neighbor came back a little bit low. They were about a C C eight C nine, but um, they're working for him. So we want to make sure the rest of his set will match that swing weight for him. That's awesome. But Dave, uh, although this weekend I was um, at at home in my garage, if you're watching this podcast, which as a reminder, all of our podcasts you can watch on the Callaway YouTube channel, but not required, but it is optional you will see that today I'm broadcasting from TPC Deer Run in Quad Cities, Iowa. Do you know why? Well, I, I, I saw that kind of uh, John Deere gator in the middle of the pond over there, so I figured uh, this, this had to be uh, something from, from the John Deere Classic, and that must mean maybe we've got somebody from the John Deere Classic, a winner from the John Deere Classic. That is true. Today is a special episode of The Fitting Room. Uh, We've had a little hiatus from tour players on the show, but it, today we felt like it was the right day to get a Callaway tour player on the fitting room, go through his bag, and a recent PGA Tour winner. You said it. It's Dylan Fratelli. Dylan Fratelli is the reigning champion of the John Deere Classic. Um, so I figured, you know, before we get him here on the line, I, we would pay. I, I would, you know, take a little trip for him to bring back some some uh, good memories of his over the last 12 months from uh, winning the John Deere. Yeah, Dylan's got an incredible background. Obviously, he's from South Africa. He was one of the top juniors in the world. He actually made his first trip. He came over to the U.S., played in San Diego, Callaway Junior Worlds. He won that, played at the University of Texas, hold a winning putt to win the NCAA championship. He's been on the PGA Tour for the last couple of years, but he plays around the world, European Tour, European Challenge Tour. And uh, this guy is, he goes deep into the equipment. Uh, he, we got some incredible, incredible specs from the, the, the tour team on this, how many wraps he uses on the grip, where the, where the hot melt is in, in the, the head, the, all the swing weights in there, where the weights are placed. Uh, incredible, incredible specs that we're going to go through with Dylan today. Yeah, so I'm excited to uh, get to that conversation. Right before we do that, a quick reminder. Um, it actually might be a good you know, pre prerequisite or prep for this podcast. Two weeks ago, uh, or three weeks ago, we talked to Kellen Watson, 
who works on the PJ Tour truck. So a lot of what Kellen said, actually, you know, that's who, who uh, Dylan is working with on a weekly basis. So those, those two might, uh, that, that podcast might help uh, understand some of the stuff Dylan uh, will talk about. Um, and then last week we had the bracket. Uh, well, two weeks ago we had the bracket challenge. That was a great podcast. Uh, just hearing how Maverick stacks up against the rest of the drivers out in the market. And then, of course, one of our favorites, Dave, we broke down a bunch of questions from the Cali community on last week's episode, including why or how different faces in the Maverick uh, set of woods uh, can deliver different performance. So check that one out. But I think it's time, Dave, enough chit chat from us. Uh, let's get Dylan on the line. Dylan, thank you so much for being here. Hey guys, thanks for having me. For, for television in the, in the house. How are you uh, dealing with this quarantine, Dylan? Give us a little rundown. What, what's the day look like for you? Um, I haven't really changed many of my routines, to be honest. I'm normally a bit of a hermit crab, so I've been at home a lot. When I'm actually home in Austin, I'm at home like 70% of the time. I go out to play a bit of golf and work out, but that's about it. So most people are like reeling like, oh, I can't go to my favorite restaurant and I can't go downtown. I'm just like, yeah, nothing much has changed, to be honest. Well, you got to ask how many uh, weeks or days or, or hours has gone into your beard there? Um, yeah, this is a solid five and a half weeks now. So it's the longest luck. I've ever gone. I made it four weeks before, but I'm trying to go like, I guess it'll be almost three months by the time we start playing again. So it'll be a game time decision before the first event, whether I shave it off or manage to keep it. Has it been getting in the way of your golf swing at all? No, I haven't. I thought it would irritate me, especially on putting and like catching the shirt and stuff. But no, it's been fine. Yeah. All right. Oh, we need a whole episode on that, uh, Nate. <laughs> well, beard ergonomics, yeah. After all, this is not the beard room. This is the fitting room. So we should get into uh, what's in the bag a little bit about your clubs. But before we do that, talk to us a little bit about uh, generally your approach to uh, your equipment. Are you a tinkerer? Are you really into it? Do you just trust what the guys on the, on the truck give you? Um, how do you look at your equipment? So... I'm pretty conservative when it comes to looking at new equipment. I don't switch very easily. Uh, putters, I usually stick with a putter long-term. I've managed to change a few style of styles of Odyssey putters recently, having switched to a mallet. But I think for my college career, I had two putters in four years in college, and I had maybe two putters in the first five years as a pro. So don't tinker on the putter end, but... If there's a better driver, if there's a better three-wood, I'll definitely make that switch. And then when it comes to irons, I pretty much just stick with a set of irons as long as I can. As long as those grooves are still fresh, I tend to stick with it. I don't like to have a new look with a new design or change that up too much. I think we, we didn't get to ask you, but uh, I was wondering, how did you get from South Africa to the University of Texas? I know you live in, in Austin now, but give us that background real quick before we dig into your, your bag. Yeah, so obviously I played junior golf and amateur golf in South Africa. When I was 16, I was the number one junior and 17, I was the number one amateur. So I sent out some letters to college coaches and didn't get too much back. But the UT coach, John Field, said, hey, if I can see you play in the States, then I can obviously, I mean, number one in South Africa is really good, but I don't know how it relates to like American juniors. So came over to the States and actually played Callaway Junior Worlds in San Diego ended up winning that the 15 to 17 age group and the next week took a visit to UT Austin and was offered a full ride and pretty much didn't look back from there. That's mm. awesome. That's awesome. 
So when you're going through, um, you know, when, when Callaway comes out with a new set of clubs uh, or a new driver or a, a new, new set of irons, like what, what are you looking for? Let's start at the top. Let's start with the driver. What is it that you look for uh, that a driver has to prove itself in order to earn its way into your bag? So for me, it's, it's pretty much the opposite of most guys. I'm looking for the straightest driver possible. I don't honestly, I mean, I care about distance, but it's not something that I'm looking for when I test. As long as it goes as far as my previous one or generally in the same ballpark, I'm just looking for dispersion. So I, I hit three, four balls. If I hit a random shot in that three, four ball spread in the first few and it flies way right or way left, I typically just hand the driver back to the rep and say, sorry, don't like it. Unless <laughs> I know for sure I've made a terrible swing. But most of the time, it's just a quick litmus test there. If I've hit it somewhat straight, somewhat in the window I'm looking for, I'll keep that driver and then we'll try and tweak that, tweak the head, tweak, maybe put some glue inside. But I typically just try and get it as straight as I can. So I'm just trying to correct whatever tendency or flight that I have in that driver. <clears throat> and beyond that, obviously, we'll try and get the, the angle set up to give me the most distance within that head. But I, I'm really just looking at accuracy first. And then as long as it flies far enough, I'll, I'll stick with it. Then will you take that right to the course or will you take uh, several drivers to the course and try them if you're, if you're testing out drivers? So the previous, the, so the, I guess the Rogue, the first one I tried, I tested in Malaysia with the European tour staff. That one was literally hit it on the range. It hit like 10 shots. They tweaked the face angle a little bit and I took it on the course and I didn't change it for a year and a half. So that was simple. Then the second one, trying to remember where I was. I was in Hawaii for the first time. It took about three events. So they built the driver in Hawaii. I tested it that week and they kept it. I tested it the next week. Then we got it second one and the third. We eventually had like three versions of that driver. And I think it was San Diego week. I finally put it in play at Torrey Pines. So it was a combination of tweaking it on the range, taking it on the course, liking it, not liking it, and trying two or three different heads with the same setup. But yeah, that's pretty much my, my theory is get one head. If it works, if it's great, if I like it, I'll go with it. If not, we'll just make two or three different heads that have the exact same amount of glue, the exact same loft and try and just try and recreate the same one. So I have two or three that I can basically narrow down the search. You, you, you're playing the, the Flash Sub-Zero, a special version of it, the Triple Diamond, which we yeah. had as a kind of a limited edition available commercially but is there something about that triple diamond shape that you that appeals to you or is it mainly around start line dispersion that kind of thing i think it's spin to be honest from what i remember the guys were getting lower spin on the um pretty sure it was lower spin in the previous version so they figured this same shape was giving lower spin but i ended up spinning it a little more in the maverick so I, i've i've managed to kind of fill that void i typically spend it around 22 2300 so slightly on the lower side so i'm always looking for more spin and they end up putting glue usually put some glue in the head to try and compensate and get me some more but yeah i, I i'm not really that knowledgeable on the whole setup of the head i usually just defer to the reps but i know i've tried to get that spin number up my coach chuck cook has always told me i hey, just try and get some more spin and then again that leads to my dispersion tactic it's a little more spin on the driver holds it straighter so i used to be like 21 2200 and the board kind of fall off line and shift left shift right so now i'm trying to 
spin it more, which you give up a little distance, but hopefully increase that accuracy. Now, amongst the Callaway uh, uh, tour tour players that we've talked to on this show, one of the most challenging clubs to get fit just right is the three wood. Yeah. And usually for guys who even will switch their driver and irons regularly, getting the three wood is always really, really tough. Um, but in your bag, the Maverick three wood went straight in. Yeah. Um, so for a guy who doesn't switch as easily, how did the three wood, which is typically one of the hardest clubs, uh, just the, the new Maverick Sub-Zero go right in the back? That was a funny one. So <clears throat> initially I had the Rogue five wood from the same footing I did back on the European tour. And I'd said to the guys here in the States, I was like, can you please just build a three wood the exact same as this five wood? Because this five wood is just so money. I don't think I'm ever going to let that, that Rogue five wood disappear from my bag. And they're like, I don't know, we just we can't do it. Like the loft is slightly different. Like it's really tough to do and they never managed to replicate that. So I'm always trying to say, hey, just replicate my five wood and we'll be good. And last year we could not really find the right head. Anyway, we come to this year. I'm like, hey, what's what's the deal with the three woods? And they were pretty hesitant to like try and test one with me. They're just like, oh, yeah, well, we can try. I'm like, no, let's try. Like this three wood I have is okay, but let's try and beat it. And Johnny, Johnny, my guy just basically said, okay, here we go put one together first try just gave it to me and I hit it like boom dead straight 265 in the air and I was like that's pretty good hit a couple more and I was like okay just like literally leave it I don't know what happened but somehow we managed to get that straight up without having to tweak it no glue went in it's just we kept the head the same and I will say uh, we filmed with you at, at Riviera so if you want to go out on callawaygolf.com you can get a little more info and feedback uh, from a bunch of our tour players including Dylan talking about uh Maverick and what they've done on the driver and uh, three wood putting that in the bag. Uh, one thing that our listeners are always interested in, Dylan, is the shafts. Um, yeah. You you stick with a consistent shaft lineup in the woods. You've got the Mitsubishi, the Tensei White, um, in the TX Flex, and they're all tipped. Is there something about the the Tensei that works really well for you? Yeah. So I typically use the. I haven't really switched from Mitsubishi to be honest. I used to have the old. The Kylie, the Alina, the old, those whiteboard, blue board, that, that whole range. I switched between the white and the blue board a little bit through college and then into my first few years as a pro. Like sometimes I'd have a blue board in the three wood and a whiteboard in the driver. But eventually someone told me about this Tensei shaft that came out and it was just a slightly, I guess, tighter on the torque end. It was a little more, I guess, or less uh, flexy, I guess, on the torque side. So I was like, oh, that sounds good to me. And I tried it out and Oh, was it 2017? It was right after Nike stopped making clubs and I made the switch. So managed to switch that Tensei shaft. And I just, I love the feel. I don't know. I, I'm getting used to that profile with the driver and the three wood and I don't see myself switching. I'm not, not one for tweaking as I mentioned, but yeah, that shaft just feels, it feels really good and it, it performs really good. I, I switched the, I think the three wood shaft, I used to have a really heavy shaft. I think it was 90 grams or 80 grams or something. That was the only sort of change I made. I went slightly heavier in the three-wood shaft, but now I'm back to a pretty normal normal setup. Now, I got to give a special shout-out then to the guys on the Callaway Tour Truck. Uh, <clears throat> by, you know, first try, Johnny, getting you that three-wood that just worked for you. Yeah. Uh, the, I, I have a spoiler. It's no accident because they sent us your specs uh, before we uh, – for preparation for this podcast – and the level of detail that they go into in terms of everything's down to like the 16th of an inch. 
you know, so like just the amount of care that these guys, they're not going to just, you know, throw something random together, hope that it works. But I mean, just the exact amount of glue, the exact length down to the 16th, the exact head weights down to 10th of a gram. Um, these guys are always uh, thinking about the tour players. And a couple weeks ago, Dave, we had um, uh, Kellen Watson from the tour truck on the podcast and that he's a great example. If you look, go back and listen to that episode, it's a good example of just the amount of care that goes into making sure that our athletes get, get what they need. So um, shout out to those guys. I'm glad that that worked for you. You know, 265 first swing straight, pretty solid. I don't think too many people are going to be complaining about, about that one. Yeah, Um, for sure. I mean, to go further into your message there about the guys on the truck, they were probably the the biggest reason that I made the switch to Callaway. I'd, I'd used the driver, as I said, it built, was built by the European Tour staff and came over to the States and switched to the PJ Tour. And I was like, mm, I don't know where this is going. But as soon as I met Johnny and I met Dean and some of the guys that work on the truck, I was like, these guys are awesome. Like, they're not, not just cool to hang out with. They're really knowledgeable. They know their stuff. And I guess part of the success I've had here in the States also owed to them. I mean, it's, I'm not going to make the claim that it's, oh, it's Callaway, but it's those specific guys that are in the truck. They're working for me. And I had Dean fly out all the way from Lubbock to Austin when I tested the new, uh, the new woods last year. And he flew all the way, came in and I'm like, really? Like, this is the kind of service you get. This is crazy. No other manufacturer has ever hinted at that sending a guy out to my hometown to try and test something. So that, that service that I get from those guys is, is worth everything. Wonderful. That's awesome. Uh, that's great to hear. Thank you for sharing that uh, with us um, and with the listeners. Uh, let's move down your bag a little bit. Let's go to the um, – you, you've got a utility iron uh, into, your, into your set of irons, your X-Forged irons. Yeah. And uh, Dave, Dave uh, noticed this in our preparation, but there's a pretty big gap between the loft on your utility at 21 and then um, your, which is your four iron and your five iron, which I believe was 27. 27. So they may not have, I've filled the gap there. So I have a, I call it just a three, four iron. Those are the utility clubs. One is, I can actually look at it right now. Let's see. (laughs) I know it's 21 in the three iron. Oh, no, I left it at the golf club. Yeah, that's the three iron in there. So it's 21 on the three iron. And I believe it's, what is it? 24. Four on the four iron. I'm not exactly sure, yeah. but I have a three and a four iron, but I've got to choose which one I'm going to use in a tournament. So it's always a conversation with me and my caddy. Five wood, three iron, four iron. Those are the usual suspects. I have to get two out of those three. And then every now and then, if the course doesn't have a setup that there's a lot of wedge shots, we'll take the gap wedge out. So mm. it happened. Uh, the funny story was in Jackson last year, the first hole of my third round, it was a Saturday morning. We had to try and finish the second round and we went out for the third round in the afternoon. Tenth hole's a par three and we weren't sure what the yardage was. It was around 210, 215 into the wind. So we're like, I don't know, it's a three or a four round. So I said to my caddy, let's just go to the tee, measure the yardage and then whatever club we need on that tenth tee shot, use that club and take the other club out of the bag. So we got there and we felt like it was a four round. So we took the three iron out of the bag and I gave it to a friend of mine. He took it back to the locker, and I actually hold that shot. It was a hole-in-one, the first hole of the third round. And nice. my buddy had the three-iron walking back to the clubhouse. He didn't even see me make it, so he was really <laughs> pissed. But that was a scenario where we weren't sure, and we're just like, hey, let's just decide on that first shot, whichever club we're going to use, and, and bend the other one. 
I think this is an interesting point for a lot of amateurs out there, Dylan, because we hear a lot of uh, recommendations from fitters that you can start with a five iron and up, but there's a lot of people out there who have a lot higher handicaps than yourself or saying, oh, I got to have a four or three matching with the same set, but you're kind of mix and match and you've got that utility iron in there. So what does the utility iron do for you versus just having kind of a stock uh, four iron, three iron in there? It, it really gives me some height. So you also notice the shaft in there. Um, what is it? A tour prototype. It's a KBS, hybrid yeah. shaft, basically. Like it's a graphite shaft. So helps me get it up in the air, a little more spin. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't hit a steel shafted long iron, four or three iron in a very long time. So I don't know the real difference, but it feels to me like it's easier to get it up in the air. And I don't know, I'm just comfortable with it now. And, and uh, talking about spin specifically, the set of irons that you have is probably the highest spinning set of irons that Callaway makes, the X4J18s. I believe you have some extra narrow grooves to get a little extra juice on there. Yeah. Uh, but it seems like for you, spin is critical. Yeah, that's. I didn't even know that about the irons, to be honest. I just, I know the guys came out with new irons last year and I was like, yeah, no, I love these X4s. I'm not switching, so... I've still got the exact same set that I got. What was it? June. It was the U S open that I put them in play 2018. So yeah, coming up for two years now in June. Um, I actually got them to build a brand new set for me a month ago. So I have a set in my garage waiting for me to break open whenever I think those grooves are, are done, but I don't know. I just love the look of it. I love the feel of it. And, and I'm not going to switch, but spin is something that I really, I don't know. I heard someone, it may have been Tiger or someone three, four years ago talk about spin and just say something to the effect of it's much easier to take spin off of a shot than to try and add it and manipulate something. So I thought about that. I'm like, Hey, that's true. Like instead of trying to swing 120% and increase that spin when you're trying to hold it to a tight pin, why don't you just have a normal swing be quite a spinny shot that can hold the green and especially on the PGA tour where the greens are pretty firm and you got to hit a high ball. It's definitely the case compared to Europe. I thought, let me switch to that and have sort of more spin in my game. And then I can always take it off by swinging easy or taking less loft. So yeah, you're right. Spin is definitely something I'm, I'm constantly thinking of. Well, let's take a look at the, uh, the high end of the <clears throat> bag here. Um, quick little trivia, Dylan, there's one thing that you and I have in common and it is not PGA tour victories. Do you know what it is? <laughs> No idea. Hole in one at Augusta. I don't know. <laughs> no, no idea. It is. Uh, we both rock the triple track ten putter and the triple track. Oh, there we go. As well. Um, there we go. And I feel like they're absolutely money. But you got some great stories uh, here. You were one of the, the. You were the first person to get the the triple track putter. So let's let's yeah. start uh, even with that. before Dave got it. Yeah, even That's... before I got it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> no. So the story there is. I was in Japan last year. I'd played the week before in Korea, didn't putt too well, got to Japan and they had the whole display of <clears throat> Odyssey putters. So I was like, ah, oh, let me just have a look. Some Toulons there as well. And I just kind of looked at, and I saw the, <clears throat> the Odyssey number 10. And I was like, that's quite a cool shape. Like I've seen that before, similar style head in some other manufacturers, but I really liked it. And I hit a few putts and it was just a blank head there was no lines on it no nothing and i was like that's really cool but i feel like i need some help alignment wise like there needs to be a line or a dot or something so i texted joe tool and i was like hey what options do we have in this odyssey number 10 <clears throat> and he said well 
hang on, let me make it. I was like, what do you mean? Hang on. Like, just give me the options. He's like, just wait, let me just get back to you. So I waited a few <laughs> hours and he comes back and he's like, yeah, okay. I can tell you there's an option here that we could put your triple track golf ball style theme, whatever you want to call it, paint job onto the putter. And I was like, heck yeah, let's do that. That sounds awesome. Like if it matches the putter, like somewhat exactly, that would be, that'd be really fun to do. Said okay, well, it's it's kind of going through like marketing and all that stuff right now to see if we're actually going to run that line. So just hold on. So it's like I don't mind waiting. Sure, it was the end of the season anyway. So that's November, heading into December, and I think it was second week of December. I just got a package to my house. I'm like, what's what's this? I was expecting like January one or January ten or something that I could get the putter because that's when they were thinking of launching it. So I got it early, and I think it was the second week of December. So I was really <laughs> stoked to see that come in and. Yeah, I've been rocking that since then. It's not, not going to leave my bag anytime soon. What is it about that um, alignment with the triple track, both on the golf ball and the putting? I mean, I know we, we filmed a video with you, which is out on CallawayGolf.com, talking about on the shorter putts, using it for uh, alignment. But what do you like about the triple track system in particular? Um, okay, number one, it saves me like 20 or 30 minutes every tournament week from drawing a line on the ball. So <laughs> yeah. that's like, that's honestly, we it doesn't it sound like a lot, but 20 or 30 minutes during a tournament week is quite a lot of time for me. So that that's helpful. But then, no, obviously on the performance side, making a putt and trying to give yourself the best odds to make it. I mean, I couldn't put a percentage on it, but if they had to do a study, I think you guys did a study, didn't you? I would mm-hmm. say... My my best guess would be on a five-foot putt, you're going to make at least one more putt every sort of 13, 14, 15 putts. That's what I would say. So that would equate to me being like a 8, eight 10, 12% increase on, on alignment accuracy from five, six feet. That's, that's my just and, guess, I guess. And that's for a tour player. I'll bet with most amateurs, it's yeah. even higher than that. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, speaking of triple track, the golf ball you play, uh, ha- talk about. Let's talk about the the what you like about that golf ball. Whether it's spin, launch, how did that uh, that ball relatively new? How did that one make it to be your your ball of choice? So I I used to use the I guess the I don't even know, it was a pro regular pro v one Tyler's pro v one. And I was so hesitant to switch because I'd played Nike before and I used their golf ball and it, it wasn't very good, to be honest. It was just something that I had to do for my contract. And then as soon as they stopped making stuff, I switched to a Titleist golf ball and I was like, oh, this is way better, like back to the college ball. And I was so hesitant to switch when Callaway were like, hey, we want you to try the ball. So I tried it and I tested it and it was similar numbers to the Pro V1. I was like, okay, slightly more spin actually. And I was like, oh, I just don't feel like switching. And they were great. They were like, yeah, cool. Whenever you want to make the switch, just let us know. And I just decided over, I guess, January when I got back from San Diego, I was like, oh, let me give it a go. And I played it at my local club and I was like, wow, this is really good. Like, I didn't realize it would feel this good and perform this well. And eventually I figured it's, honestly, I think it's a better ball. I've got about two, 300, maybe 400 more RPMs on the sort of short iron, mid iron and the longer irons, it spins way more than the Pro V. So I've gained a whole bunch more spin in that long iron category. And then off the driver, it's, I think it's just as long, if not longer, but then fast forward now and they've got a new version of that ball. So I'm currently testing it here at home in Austin and that, that ball's going to go in probably as soon as we start up again, because that's another, what is it? Mile and a half ball speed off the driver. So 
yeah, I'm excited to play that one now once we get back on the road. So you mentioned, uh, you know, looking at the numbers a little bit. In general, how do you approach, you know, trusting what you see versus what you feel versus what TrackMan tells you, whether it's with the ball or, or your whole set of clubs? Yeah, it's a tricky, it's a tricky relationship because – one you can yeah for me it's mainly in the feel and the sight so like if i hit a shot and i look up and i know where the wind generally is and i can see it flying and i know how the wind's affected it if that sort of fits into my image if i had to just look straight down and not watch the flight and tell you where i'm predicting that ball to land if it does that i'm all on board because it's all about knowing what you can do with the golf ball it's not about how it performs you could give me a ball that flies 15 yards further than my current ball. But in the short term, that's not going to work well because I'm going to miss every green long or I'm going to drive it through the fairway. So as long as you know you can control it and, and that ball has way more control for me. It's a lot more spin. I can do a lot more things with it. Short irons, I can shape it a little bit more because of that spin. I can stop it to tight pins. But yeah, I don't know. The new ball we tested, so I don't know what the consumers get to see, but in the, in the old triple track, it was a star star version. That's what we refer to it as. And then the new one is a Chrome soft. What is it? It's got a diamond on the end star Chrome soft diamond, I believe. So that's mm. basically the softest version of the new, new set of balls that's coming out. So I, I just saw it get an extra, this new one got me an extra 200 to 300 rpms more on a mid iron shot so as long as there's a little bit more there i'm always happy to to make that and not obviously forsaking distance so the driver was one and a half miles faster on average so that was that was pretty cool what are you seeing around the greens with the dylan i know you know chipping getting up and down is critical for the for the tour players with this new ball you're testing how how's the cover how's that been reacting um pretty similar to the old one to be honest i haven't noticed a difference there's a difference in feel so the feel is slightly softer, which is strange. Like I would think that would equate to more spin and more like lower ball flight around the green chipping and putting, but it seems to be in the same wheelhouse. Like I just chipped last week with at 30 or 40 of them and I was hitting all different shots and visually it looked like the exact same sort of chipping and pitching profile as, as the previous triple track. I had that star star version. That's awesome. That's what we're, we're looking for. I know you play a lot of golf in pro-ams. You play a lot of golf with amateurs. Uh, mostly amateurs listen to this show. What's, what's the biggest uh, screw-up you see amateurs making with their equipment, not just with their swings, but are, are people using the wrong drivers? Are they using the wrong golf ball? What, what, what do you see out there in these pro-ams? Uh, to be honest, I'm not, really, I'm not really looking for that stuff, but if I had to just think briefly – I would say uh, the mindset change that they need to have is go for a fitting. I always say, hey, like, what, what's this? Oh, no, no, my wife bought it for me or someone. I'm like, you didn't hit it before like you got it. And they're like, no, no, but it works. I'm like, nah, dude, you need to go <laughs> and see a proper fit. Like, go through the process, hit 10 different shafts, then find that shaft. Like, we're lucky. I, I can say to a guy, hey, I don't like this It's specific shaft. Go get me a different one. Like, it feel, it just doesn't feel right. I even sent Kellen back in waste management i said hey just can you go check the flex profile on yeah because it so when they got the frequency machine and they like freaked it out and checked it and it was slightly off but yeah i don't i don't see guys just going to the rack and pulling one off and hitting it and finding something that actually works for them so i always tell them go through the fitting process hit a bunch of balls test it out and and then you'll see i often tell them i'm like the head doesn't have that much difference like the the manufacturing process now is so good that the head's not going to change too much but 
you can get two different shafts that have the same paint on it, that have the same design and you will hit it 500 RPMs different and sideways if it's not the correct profile. So go through the process and do your due diligence. You heard it here first. That's right. You, uh, thank you for reinforcing the messages that we've been saying on this podcast for about five years now. So we appreciate you uh, helping the cause. I mean, it, it's just science <laughs> knowledge. I mean, I don't know. Surely if you're going to buy a car or do something crazy, if you're going to go to the moon, you're not just going to buy a secondhand rocket ship. Are you going to try and get the best thing <laughs> possible? <laughs> a good one. Well, um, they've, they've released what they think is going to be the, the new tour schedule coming up, the new schedule with the, with the majors. Um, how do you, what do you see for your schedule, and how do you see yourself uh, preparing for, for the upcoming tournaments? So I haven't touched the club in five weeks. I did a little nine holes the other day, and then last week, Thursday, Friday, was my sort of start up again. I want to practice for three weeks and then maybe take a week off and do another three weeks ramp up towards Colonial. I'm going to play six straight right out of the gate and then likely take a couple of weeks off and do another five in a row. So the only events I'm not exempt for are the WGC events and then the US Open. So in the PGA, in the Masters. So it's going to be quite a busy second half of the year. I don't mind that. In Europe, I once played 12 in a row on the Challenge Tour. So I can definitely go through the long haul and make it out the other side and fit. I'm strong and I'll be rested, obviously. So, yeah, count on me playing probably eight out of ten weeks, maybe even more than that for the second half of the year. Well, Dylan, we're going to be rooting for you for the remainder of the year. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think, Dave, uh, Callaway staffers who come on the podcast have a pretty good record of then getting a win within 12 months. So <laughs> we're counting on you to keep track that record. Um, we're, uh, Counting on you to keep that going. I mean, come on, my odds are pretty good anyway, aren't they, guys? I don't, I don't yeah. need your uh, pixie dust over here. <laughs> <laughs> We're, it may not come till November, but if it's at Augusta, you know, it could be all. Hey, working. that'd be awesome. Okay, if it's that special pixie dust, I'll take that. All right. Well, you'll have to come back on with the green jacket. Hundred <laughs> percent. You can come in. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, Dylan, thank you again for joining us on the fitting room. Um, a couple reminders, uh, the Fitting Room Live will return uh, in a couple weeks on uh, Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio, uh, Monday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. If you have a, a fitting question, you can always get to Dave or I on the Callaway community, callawaygolf.com slash community. Um, and then, as of course, uh, you heard it from Dylan. Make sure you go get fit. You can start your fitting journey at callawaygolf.com with selector tools and then you can find a fitter near you as well uh, with our retail finder this episode of the fitting room was produced by tyler sheehan jen turk and trevor miglarino we'll be back next week with more on the fitting room podcast